Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. Amen. Well, we're in a, a series called Retweet. I'm not a tweeter, Twitter, whatever those people are. But, uh, you know, we do need to go back and, and look at the Old Testament a lot of times. There's things back in there that we can learn from. There's some things in the Old Testament that may not apply specifically to us today as new covenant believers. But we still, everything in there is for us to learn from. And what we'll see today is Jesus, in the wilderness of temptation, he responded with the word of God. He always answered with the word of God. And that's a good path for us to follow. You know, uh, believing and speaking God's word is the key to victorious living. It's the key to a victorious life. You know, our, our main scripture for this is Psalms 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light on my path. You know, in Psalms 119, there's 176 verses there. And they're all speaking toward the importance of the Word of God. The Word of God is important. If you don't say anything else out of your mouth, say the Word of God. Our scripture, 1 John 2.16, we're going to talk about the temptation of Christ, the lust that was presented to Him. But 1 John 2.16 says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. See, the lust of the flesh is craving physical pleasure. The lust of the eyes is craving what you see. And the pride of life is pride in what you do, your abilities, your possessions, your accomplishments, instead of in the accomplishments of Jesus our Lord. If you go way back to the garden, in the very beginning... The first thing Satan did was attack the Word of God. You remember, God had told Adam and Eve, said you can eat freely of any tree in the garden except this tree right here, don't eat of it. Because the day that you do, you will die. And he was talking about spiritual death. But Satan comes to Eve and he says, Hath God said, did God really say that? Did he really say don't? eat of this tree see he tempts Eve with the lust of the flesh he gets her to thinking that maybe God's holding out on her maybe God hasn't fully given them everything he promised so she begins to think about that she begins to think maybe God he didn't want me to be like him you know he wants me just to remain human no that's where the first temptation come and then Eve looks at the fruit And it's the lust of the eyes. She sees the fruit. It looks desirable. And Adam, you know, Adam's standing right there with her. And she offers him some. You know, and Adam, honestly, he should have been a man and said, no. You know, God said this. We're not going to do that. You know, this week, Laurie and I have been married 42 years. And I would take a bow, but I'd get beat up later. So, you know, because I've, I've carried this thing. But, uh, but anyway, just joking, just joking. 
in Adam's defense, he probably was thinking, do I want to be right or do I want to be happy? Do I want to be right or I want to be happy? And he said, okay, give me some. And then, you know, the rest is history. But if he had done what he should have done as a man of God, he should have took a stand and says, no. You know, God said, do not eat of that. And I'm going to stand firm on the word. See, the devil's job, the devil is not really a name. It's a job description. It's someone who keeps striking and striking and striking, trying to penetrate your mind so he can gain control of it. And that's what he did here. He kept striking and striking. He penetrated. See, they would have been way ahead just to quote the Word of God back to him and walk off. That would have been the best thing. The problem with the lust of the eyes, it attests your allegiance to God. It tests your allegiance to God. You know, we give in so many times to what we see through these eyes. And we should be looking at the Word of God in our mind constantly and saying no to this, no to that, no to this. It's like looking over at your neighbor's wife and thinking, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. No, there's probably a septic tank there. So you probably need to stay away. The, the pride of life... You don't, you don't want me to go off on a tangent there, but anyway. <laughs> the pride of life, it, it's, it takes you where you don't want to go. The pride of life does. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay, and it'll cost you more than you want to pay. See, Eve had that desire to be in control of herself. She had that desire to make her own decisions, and it cost her greatly, and it cost all of us. See, when you listen to the devil... You get an extended stay in a place you don't want to be. And I'm not talking about hell. I'm talking about hell on earth. But when you listen to the devil, he's going to take you somewhere that you don't want to be. So our first scripture here in Luke, we're talking about the temptation of Jesus. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God. I'm trying to talk like my mother-in-law. If you are the Son of God. Command this stone to become bread. Command this stone to become bread. Don't listen to the devil. You know, he's always going to send those thoughts your way, but you don't have to listen to him. And you sure don't want to argue with him. Don't argue with him in your mind. Argue with him with the Word of God. See, if you want to cast down the thoughts that come into your mind, speak the Word of God out loud. That's how you cast down thoughts. Amen? Confront him with the Word. Confront him with the Word. So Satan, he tempts Jesus with the lust of the flesh. And Jesus responds, answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Jesus referenced Deuteronomy 8.3. He went back to the old covenant and he referenced that. That was his response. Very simple. Very direct. No doubt Jesus was hungry. He had eaten, hadn't eaten for 40 days. His flesh was crying out, feed me. But he didn't let his flesh overcome him. He overcame the temptation of the flesh by speaking the word of God. Then we see in Luke 4, 5, says, Then the devil, 
taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give to you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me. He made a true statement there. For the liar that he is, he made a true statement. See, all that authority had been given to Adam, dominion over the earth. But Adam gave it away when he sinned. So Satan did have the authority over the earth. And he says, I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. So now Satan tempts Jesus with the lust of the eyes. He takes him up on the high mountain. He shows him all the beauty. You know, there's a lot of places in the world I haven't been to. But I see these pictures of New Zealand and places in Colorado and Alaska and different places. And I love to see that. I love the beauty that God created. It was tempting. But Jesus answered him and he said, Get thee behind me, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God and him only you shall serve. And this was a reference to Deuteronomy 6.13. See, if you want to live a long and prosperous life, if you want to do that, if you don't want to walk in the ways of the world, you've got to worship the Lord only. Only the Lord. Sometimes we need to ask ourselves the question, who is Lord of our life? Or what is Lord of our life? See, sometimes I would say that whatever is your priority is Lord of your life. Is it your spouse? Is it your kids? Is it your job? Is it sports? You know, what is it? What is priority? Whatever you prioritize, that's Lord of your life. Luke 4, 9. says, Then he brought him to Jerusalem. He set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God. Notice he keeps coming back to that. If you are. If you're the Son of God. Just like he did Eve in the garden. Hath God said. He says if you are the son of God. Throw yourself down from here. For it is written. He shall give his angels charge over you. To keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up. Lest you dash your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered him and said to him. How about I make my day and toss you off here punk. No he didn't say that. But you know. We would have. It has been said you shall not tempt The Lord your God. Reference Deuteronomy 6.16. Jesus always went back to the word of God. He always responded with the word of God. How did he do that? Because he had it in his heart. He knew it so well. It automatically flows out. If you put the word of God in your heart on a consistent basis. When you're in a tight situation. That's what will flow out. Amen. It says, then the devil departed until an opportune time. See, he doesn't give up. He may quit for a little while, but he'll be back. But the time to prepare is now. Prepare now. Satan tempted Jesus with the pride of life. You know, if you are who you are, throw yourself down. Prove your powers. You know, how many times have we hurt ourselves by pride? We do something out of pride or we hurt someone else. Pride is a hurtful thing. It's not a favorite item of God, let me tell you. He does not like it when people are in pride. Jesus gave up everything 
to become a man. He lived in heaven. He was with his father, and he gave it all up to become a man. So as far as the pride, what the devil had to offer him, it meant nothing in comparison. In comparison to what he had just come from, it meant nothing. But see, Satan wants to tell us, he wants us to say, where is God? God wants us to say, I believe you. My trust is in you. I will follow you. And if you'll quote the word back to Satan when he's tempting you in some area, he won't stay around long. He'll come back later. But when you're praising God and quoting the word, he will not stay there long. See, it's not the trials that we go through in life that make us strong. It's our responses to those trials. That's what makes you strong is your response to those trials. I know I reference this a lot, but when Laurie was so sick in the hospital, we'd get those bad reports. The doctors would come in and, you know, she's not going to make it. She's not this. She's not this. She's not. I didn't receive that. I spoke the word of God because I believe the word of God more than I believe the doctor's report. Amen. You've got to get there. You've got to understand that. Do you know who you are in Christ? When God breathed into Adam, Adam became a living spirit, a living, speaking spirit, just like God is. So you can reply to your situations just like Jesus did. He's given us millions of words here to use. When the earth was, before the earth was created as God created it, it says it was, you know, void, dark. It was just darkness covered the earth. It's just a, a form. You know, when God looks at it, he didn't say, man, it sure is dark. You know, like we do when we walk out at night, it sure is dark out here, duh. You know, or the sun, or, you know, sunshine, and it sure is bright. No, God says what he wants to see. He says what he wants to see, not what is. There's a big difference there. See, so many times we just speak what we see. We speak what we hear. We speak what we feel. God speaks what he wants to see. He said, let there be light. Even an animal, an animal can tell you what it's thinking, what it's feeling. Amen. You're in a rocking chair and you rock on a cat's tail and he squeals. He's just telling you what he's thinking. But if that cat turns around and says, get thee behind me, Satan, you know he's been listening to something. Amen. We need to be that way. We need to quit just speaking what we feel and what we think and what just comes into our mind randomly. We need to speak the word of God. We need to learn that principle of speaking the word instead of what we see, hear, feel, experience, etc. Sometimes our theology is based on life experience and has zero to do with the Bible. That's a sad place to be. You know, a lot of people won't let get won't let the Bible get in way of what they believe. We need to think about that. Our theology should be based on what the Word of God says, period. Not on what Aunt Susie did or somebody told you or whatever. No, it needs to be based on the Word of God. Amen? In the Hebrew language, the word speak is the word debar. It's D-B-A-R. And it literally means when you speak, you open the door. And then when they make that word into a noun by putting an M in front of it, M debar it means wilderness. Jesus spoke his way out of the wilderness. 
He spoke his way out of the wilderness. And you can speak your way out of the wilderness starting today. You can start to do that. In Colossians 2.6, it says, And now, just as you accepted Christ, Jesus as Lord, you must continue to follow him. How did you accept him? You heard the word. You believed it in your heart. You confessed it out of your mouth. That's how you accepted Jesus. That's how you were saved. And then how you receive from Jesus for the rest of your life is the same way. You hear the word, you believe it, and you speak it out of your mouth. Nothing's changed. How you receive Jesus is how you should be walking out the rest of your life. When you don't speak God's word over your situation, you limit God. And you think, well, God is God. How can I limit God? Well, let me show you. Psalm 78, 41 says, Yea, talking about Israel, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. How did they limit Him? By their whining and complaining and speaking everything contrary to what the Word of God says. It says right here, they limited God. They limited what God wanted to do in their life. The contemporary English version says, they kept testing God and caused him terrible pain. And that, that's a, hard for us to comprehend because we think of God just being so powerful that we can't really affect him. But you can. You can limit what God wants to do in your life by speaking contrary to what the Word says. In Malachi 3.13, says, Your words have been stout against me. Your words have been stout against me. Your words are powerful. Your words are powerful. You need to line them up with the Word of God. When God was taking Israel to the promised land, He told them, I'm giving you this land. It's flowing with milk and honey. There were giants that lived there, yes. But the good thing about that was those giants had built giant houses, giant cities. They had dug deep wells. And God says, it's yours. Just go take it. But what did Israel do? Instead of listening to the Word of God, they started thinking about the giants. And they talked themselves out of being able to conquer those giants. And it cost them dearly. What have you been talking yourself out of that God has promised you? What have you been talking yourself out of? If God's promised it, it is yours. Let me give you a quick example. What I'm going to tell you all is, I've never told this story before. And I hope you never do your kids this way. But when I, I, I grew up in a small town, about 1,100 people, Wink, Texas. And uh, I was 16 years old. I just turned 16. This was in um, June 1973. I was the youngest son. My, my older brother, he was in the Army in Germany. And I think my sister had just got married. But anyway, I was the only one left at home. And Mom and Daddy, they said one day, how would you like to go visit your brother in Germany. We could fly you over there. Let's go, man. I'm, well, not us, you. We'll put you on a plane, send you over there. It'll broaden your horizon. Well, later on, as I got older, I realized they were trying to put me over the horizon. I think they were trying to get rid of me. Because, you know, who puts their kid on a plane 16 years old, never been on a plane, never been in a, a big airport? I'll never forget this. And not only that, sending me to be with a brother that is not well organized. Not well organized. So I fly from Midland to Dallas to New York to Frankfurt, Germany. 
my brother and his army buddy, they picked me up at the airport. We get in the car. We're running down the Audubon at 110 miles an hour. And my brother says, oh, by the way, uh, I'm on maneuvers this week. So you're on your own. You know, we're going to slip you into the barracks, you know, which I had to get out the next day because I had an inspection. Anyway, walking around the base barefoot trying to find my way out of there. But, you know, no planning, no planning. So now I'm in Germany, can't speak the language, got a pocket full of traveler's checks. You know, I'm in my little blue leisure suit, which was popular in the 70s, had my brown cowboy boots on, <laughs> stood out like a sore thumb, didn't know nothing. And my brother takes me to this train station, and he says, all you got to do is go up to the ticket window, buy a ticket. He said, you can go to Nuremberg, that's the closest big city, or Firth was a little small city. He said, just get your ticket and hop on the train, go ride around, just look around all day, do whatever you want to do. You know, I'm, there's no cell phones. There's nothing. I mean, if I needed to call mom and dad, it would be collect from Germany, and they might not even be home. That's how ridiculous this is. But anyway, I go to the train station, and I say, go to the ticket window, Nuremberg, Nuremberg, yeah, yeah. So I give them my money, you know, get the ticket. I go out there, there's four trains come into this station. They're all electric. And there's people sitting on benches where the trains come in. I walk up to a group of people and say, Nuremberg, Nuremberg, nine, nine, which means no. Go up to the next one, Nuremberg, Nuremberg, nine. nine. Finally, get to one, they say, yeah, yeah. So I know I'm on the, the right train. So I get on that train and ride to Nuremberg and walk around all day. Can't buy no food, can't do Anything, can't talk to nobody, spend all day. I could have wound up in East Berlin or the, at the bottom of the Rhine River. Nobody would have ever known. You know, it's crazy when I think back on it. But the thing I want you all to get out of this today is when the people would say, yeah, yeah, I knew I was in the right spot. I was in the right spot. I wasn't at my destination, but I was in the right spot. And see, I believe when you speak the Word of God, over your situation, I believe the angels are saying, yeah, yeah, he's in the right spot. He's not there yet, but he's in the right spot. Amen? Just speak the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the full armor of God, putting on the full armor of God. Well, one of those pieces of armor is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It's an offensive and a defensive weapon. See, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, it penetrates where nothing else can. You want to know why sometimes when the doctors have given up and they say it's a hopeless situation and someone gets miraculously healed, the Word of God penetrates where no surgery can take place. It penetrates where no medicine can do any good. The Word of God is powerful. It's sharper. You know, it says in Matthew 24 that heaven and earth will pass away, but the Word will never pass away. Never pass away. God's words are timeless. They're unchanging. Unfortunately, for a lot of us today, and we see this, it's pretty widespread. God's words are important to him. A lot of times our words are not important to us. You know, I have a lot of friends. I say, hey, you want to meet 
get a cup of coffee. Yeah, I'll meet you at 7 o'clock. They don't even leave the house till 7 o'clock. You know, I'm, I'm there at 15 till. I'm waiting, you know. Or someone comes up and says, would you pray for so-and-so? Oh, yeah, I'll pray for them. And then you walk off and you never pray for them. You know, the problem is that our words don't mean anything to us. They don't mean anything to us. You know, but we should be where we mean what we say and we say what we mean because when you don't live your life that way, you're training your heart not to believe what you say. You're training your heart not to believe what you say. And then when you get into a bind and you start quoting the Word of God and, you know, you're facing a serious illness, your heart's saying, why should I believe Him? His words don't mean anything to Him. Why should I believe it now? Why should I act on it now? Amen? Just We need to think about those things. The Word of God spoken out of your mouth in faith is as powerful as it being spoken out of anyone's mouth in faith. If you're speaking it in faith, it's as powerful as anybody on the planet speaking it. So don't sell yourself short. So today, I'd say let's try something new. Why don't we just say what is written? Whatever you're going through. I don't know what everybody goes through in here. I know we all go through something. But instead of just saying what we see, what we feel, what we hear, why don't we make a change? Why don't we say what is written? See, Einstein said it's insanity to keep doing the same thing over and over and over and expect a different result. It's the same way here. You know, we, we're good about just saying, well, I feel this, I, I feel bad, I feel whatever. Won't you speak what the Word of God says? Won't you just let that out of your mouth for a change? You know, you've got to know the Word in order to believe it and speak it. So you've got to study it. You've got to apply it to your life by getting it in your heart and then speaking it out loud. And then if you think, well, I can't understand the Bible. Now, that's the devil talking to you because the Holy Spirit is your guide. And if you will go in there and ask God to help you and to show you, the Holy Spirit himself will guide you into understanding the Bible. Amen? Don't sell yourself short. You know, in the world, in God's world, there's spiritual truth, and then there's fact. There's physical truth, and there's fact. See, fact is what we, what we see, what we experience in life, what we experience through our five senses. But when God spoke the world into existence, he set up spiritual laws and he set up physical laws. And one of the physical laws is gravity. You know, he doesn't just suspend gravity because you make a bad decision and decide to walk off top of a building. You know, if he suspended gravity for you and he throws everybody else off the planet. No, that's not the way it works. He has set up physical and spiritual laws for us to work from. But the spiritual laws are truth. And they always trump fact. They always trump fact. Psalms 91. I'm going to show you all some scriptures here that you can turn to and hang on to and speak out loud. Because we're going through this pandemic mess and I'm so sick and tired of hearing all about it because I'm a firm believer that a believer should not be in fear. A believer should not be in fear. God is our source. God is our trust. So in Psalms 91, it says, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High 
That word dwells in the Hebrew is sits. He who sits in the secret place. I personally think that the secret place they're talking about here is Jesus. You know, in the covenant we're in, it says we're seated with Jesus. Back when this was written, it was before Jesus came. But I'm telling you, if you will sit, if you will dwell in the secret place, dwell in Jesus, rest in Him, believe in what He has done for us, you shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And then it says, I will say of the Lord. It doesn't say, I will think of the Lord. I'll think about it once in a while. No, it says, I will say of the Lord. That means I will speak out loud out of my mouth of the Lord. He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, and Him I will trust. And then it says, surely, surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from deadly pestilence. Well, deadly pestilence is deadly disease. The fowler is a trapper. The fowler they're talking about here is the devil. He's trying to trap you. For all you animal lovers, I love animals too, but I had a, when we lived out at Sierra Blanca, I always had a part-time job. Game wardens didn't make a lot of money. I always had a second job going. One time I had three jobs going, but one of my jobs, which I really enjoyed, I worked on a ranch just north of town there. It was a 90,000-acre ranch, and I counted all their wildlife for them, kept up with the deer, the antelope population, you know, how, what the fawn crops were. And then part of that job was to trap predators because if you've ever seen uh, what a coyote can do to a baby fawn, to a deer fawn or an antelope fawn, or you know, you wouldn't feel so sorry for them. So my primary trapping job was to get rid of some of the coyotes. But, you know, in doing that, you catch other things too. You know, bobcats, lions, uh, porcupines. I mean, you name it, raccoons, they're out there. But the one thing that I learned, a couple of things, is everything leaves a track. Those animals leave a track. Like, you know, I learned those tracks. I, you know, when I walk up, or oh, yeah, that's a coyote, that's a bobcat, that's a lion, that's a coon, that's a buzzard. You know, the buzzards get on the ground, you know. I mean, you, you can learn so much from those tracks. And you learn where they've been, what direction they came from, how long they spent in a certain area, and where they're going, and where they're going. You know, our words, the words out of our mouth are like tracks. I can spend a little time with people. I can tell where they've been, where they are right now, and their future by the words they're speaking. And if I can do that, let me tell you, the devil who has spent thousands upon thousands of years doing that, he's listening to what you say. Do your words line up with the Word of God? Or are you just saying what you feel or what someone told you? Because what he's doing, just like I did with those animals, I watched the tracks to see where to set my trap. He's watching you. He's listening to you. And he's looking for a place to set his trap. It's important that when we speak that our words are in line with God's word. Amen. The other thing I learned with the, trapping those animals is when they're not moving a lot, you don't catch much. And there's certain cycles and sometimes it has something to do with the moon. But they, sometimes they're more active than other times. Well, 
when we rest in God, when we sit still and we just put our trust in God and we're not stressed out and running around and, you know, being paranoid about everything, it's hard to catch us. But when we're not at rest and our trust is not in God, you're making it real easy for the devil to trap you. Isaiah 24, 18 says, Those who flee the noise of fear fall into a pit. There's a noise associated with fear. Proverbs 6, 2 says, You are snared by the words of your mouth. You are taken by the words of your mouth. Psalms 91, 5 says, You will not fear. Who will not fear? Going back to the first, the ones that are seated, that are sitting in the secret place of the Most High. If you're spending your time there, you will not fear. Will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. And then you don't have this up there, but Psalms 91.15 says, He will call on me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with a long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. I know that was a scripture my wife clung to when we were going through all that bunch of junk. With a long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. 56, 57 years old, whatever it was, she was, that's not a long life. That's not a long life. And then my favorite scripture of all, Psalms 103.1. You know, this, uh, of course, was written before the cross. And you could, you could actually look at this and put this all in past tense. But what it says is, bless the Lord, O my soul. That's your mind. Bless the Lord in your mind, your, your mind, your will, your emotions. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You have to remember and believe in his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities, that's your sins. Who forgives all your sins. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Who satisfies your mouth with good things. So that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Those are promises for us. We can hang on to those. We can hang on to those. And if you think, well, I don't, I don't believe that, then it won't work for you. It won't work for you. God wants us to believe him. He wants us to believe him. 2 Corinthians 5.21, this is not up there either, but I know sometimes the devil will come against you and he will say, you're not worthy. You're never going to amount to anything. God will never be pleased with you. Well, let me tell you, God is pleased with what Jesus did at the cross. And if you've accepted Jesus, God is pleased with you. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, believing in Jesus made you righteous. It gave you right standing with God. And not your good works, not anything that you've done on your own. It's all about what Jesus has done for you. Amen? And then the last scripture Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it 
will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We need to be careful with our words. See our bottom line today. We have a choice as to what comes out of our mouth. We have a choice. Just like Jesus did. He chose to speak the written word of God. So choose good and speak your way out of the wilderness. Amen? Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.